we have been on a series we called Principles of Prosperity for weeks now. <laughs> and I believe this is the last week uh, that will be on it, unless the Lord changes my, my heart. Uh, this will be the last week we got on it, but we're going to talk about a generous attitude tonight, a generous attitude. And, uh, you know, uh, God is a generous God. In fact, to be honest with you, God is an excessively generous God. When you think of it, let me just name a few things, and you think about these things. One of the names that uh, God revealed himself as is El Shaddai. And El Shaddai means more than enough. He's the all-sufficient one. He is more than enough. The Bible says that he wants your cup to overflow. That means he wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to have life, and that life more abundantly. He wants you to have exceedingly, abundantly above all that you could ever ask or imagine. He wants to open the windows of heaven in your life so much that there's so much blessing you can't even contain it. How many would agree with that problem? Okay, So much you can't contain it. Is, is that available to us? Absolutely. The Word of God says it is. It's all up to you. Listen to me carefully. There are many people that want to wait for God to do something in their life. And the fact is, God has already done all He's ever going to do. It's all done through Christ Jesus. He's done His part. What we have to do is believe the Word and act on the Word. We need to get that Word in our heart and then speak it out our mouth, act on that Word and activate it, and you'll see results in your life. And you are... If somebody says, well, I just don't believe that, well, well don't worry, it won't work for you. <laughs> I mean, somebody says, well, because I've had people literally walk up to me and have to tell me, I just don't believe that. Well, I'm like, well, don't worry about it. Do you think God's going to sneak in on you? I mean, if you don't believe it, that's the end of it, right? Is believing a choice? Believing is a choice. You choose to believe or you choose not to. And if you choose not to believe it, well, all right, well, that's done there. I mean, we're over with. I mean, game over, you know. Why are you bothering with anything if you don't believe it, you know? And there are people that will argue their unbelief. They'll argue what they don't believe. I think that's, that's such a waste of time, you know. If you don't believe it, you don't believe it. But how many of you know that the Bible calls us believers for a reason? What's our main job? <laughs> to believe. <laughs> In other words, we're called believers. Say, I believe. I believe the Word of God. I believe the Spirit of God. Amen. That's what we're to believe. Now, when, we, when all those things I just told you about the Lord and what He wants to do in our life, we need to get that picture in our heart and mind of God. That's what He wants for us. Many of us have grown up in, in different environments or uh, we may have a certain way of thinking. And I remember when I was young, I never lived in a house. Uh, all my life, I mean, when I was a kid, always lived in apartments. We were nomadic um, in the same town, believe it or not. So we just went from apartment to apartment to apartment to apartment to apartment because somewhere along the line, I think my parents thought that if we moved a little bit, things would change. Things would be different. Whatever their motivation, probably money was a big motivator. You know, Probably various things were, were motivators, but guess what? I've told you this before, you can move and change all the things in your life you want, but when you look in the mirror, you brought you with you, and that's the problem. Because, see, you have to change. 
You can be in different environments, but whatever your hang-ups over there, guess what? You baggaged them up and brought them with you. And they're there. And so you have to truly change. You have to truly grow and develop. And, and you, that way, when you do go to a new place, you're not taking that old baggage with you. You really, truly are changed. The fact is, my mentality with finances, my mentality of looking at things and the way I grew up, really impacted as I became an adult how I viewed things. Until I began to learn the Word of God and I began to see that God had a different plan. He didn't want me just making it. He didn't want us just to survive. He wanted us to uh, thrive. He wanted us to have more than enough. If I'm just making it, how can I help someone else? If I'm just making it, if I'm just on the edge all the time, how can I be a blessing I might occasionally be able to spit something out, but I want to be a blessing consistently. I want to be able to do what God's called me to do, and the things God called me to do cost moolah. None of this is free. The lights don't stay on just because we're a church. You know? What I'm saying is, how many of you guys ever go to the grocery store and say, come on, I'm a nice guy. Couldn't you just give it to me this one time? That don't work, does it? You don't go to a bank, come on, can't you give me a loan? Can't you help me out? I know I don't get a job, but, you know, we're friends, you know? That doesn't work, you know? It, right? In the world system, it doesn't work. It's, it's, it, that's the way things are. Well, the fact is, I had to grow in my thinking. I had, to, I had to get God's Word in my heart and mind and begin to think a different way. And I began to expand how I thought about things. Instead of just thinking just enough, I began to think more than enough and then growing from there until I had much more than enough so that I could do the things that I believe the Lord wanted me to do. And, and a part of that is to be a blessing financially, to be able to help things, to be able to grow the ministry, to be able to do different things in life. Well, if we're just thinking barely getting by... Um, that's almost selfish. That really is a selfish attitude. I remember as I was probably about 16 years old, and we just moved out here to Oklahoma, and I stayed the night with, uh, uh, it was actually uh, my old pastor's son. Uh, we were both teenagers at the time, and I spent the night over there one Saturday night, and, or Friday night, and the next morning they had a men's breakfast. And so he comes barging in the morning, like at you know, 6.30 in the morning on a Saturday morning, which no teenager wants to get up at 6.30 in the morning on a Saturday morning. And he says, come on, guys, let's go. And so we had about 10 minutes to get ready, and he, he brought us out there. I didn't have any money. I mean, I didn't have anything, and I, I wouldn't have considered asking anybody. I would have just shut up and had a glass of water and sat in a corner. Well, when I get there, he says, he looks over uh, at, you know, Danny, and then he looks at me, says, Ken, what you going to get? And I'm like, I, I can't get anything. I don't have any money. <laughs> I didn't say anything, but I didn't have any money. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do anything, I guess. I'll just get a glass of water, you know, maybe some lemon with it, you know, live it up there. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, and finally he says, Ken, order whatever you want. I got it. And he meant, order whatever you want. And I was real hesitant, like, I'll have an egg, you know, 
maybe a piece of bacon, maybe a piece of toast. Because I was intimidated. No one has ever told me, just order what you want. Order what you want. I've had relatives, you know, oh, we're going to take you guys out to eat. But it was always an all-you-can-eat thing. Always. Do you know why they picked an all-you-can-eat thing all the time? It was one price. They didn't have to worry about you ordering something expensive. It was all one price. And you could eat all you wanted. And, you know, it was a whole other level to go to a place, even a steak place, and say, go ahead, order what do you want. If I, if, I, if I took you out, I said, order what you want. I would mean order what you want, whatever. If you want, you know, prime, you want shrimp with it, you want the lobster tail, then order it. And praise God, I'm blessed enough to be able to do that. And see, that was a big change in thinking, you know, but I also can give more. Where at one time, man, squeezing out $5 to give, I thought I moved heaven and earth. You know what I'm saying? But those days are long gone. Now I can think a lot bigger and what I could do. And Lord, what, do you, what part do you want me to have in that? But see, I couldn't do that at one time. And it wasn't just because of a lack of the finances. It was a lack in my thinking. I just didn't think that way. I just didn't think that way. And so what we want to do is, again, develop a generous attitude, an attitude of overflow, generosity. All right, so let's look at some things here. First of all, our generosity should be motivated by love, God's love in us. A woman named Amy Carmichael said this. Listen closely. She said, you can always give without loving, but you can never love without giving. And it's so true. You can't love without giving. What's the first thing God did for us when we were lost? For God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. He, his response with love was to give. And so that's so true. Now, when it comes to generosity, the world has a total different viewpoint and motive um, than we do as children of God or what the Word gives us. For example, the, God's Word seems to run crosswise with the world. God's Word says this. God's Word implies to grow and increase, you need to give and let go. <laughs> and, and that is crosswise with the world. The world would say, in order for you to increase, you need to what? Hold on. You need to save, you need to hide, you need to store, you need to only invest to get a personal return. You only give finances primarily to gain influence. For example, there are people that give, you might say, I know someone who gives millions of dollars. Well, yeah, and they, they give, they, their corporation may give millions of dollars, but they have a motive behind it. They, they want influence in a certain area. Um, or they want to give it and they make a big deal out of it, but in reality, the board said, we need a giant tax deduction. And so they're not sharing that information. They're not sharing their motive for it. They just talk about what they did. But can you see the difference between the two, the contrast between the world and its view of how to gain, or generosity, I should say, and the uh, the churches or the body of Christ or the word of God's idea of it. For example, let's look at stinginess versus generosity. In Proverbs 11, you can look on the screen here, Proverbs 11 verses 24 and 25. There is one who scatters and yet increases more. Now stop right there. 
This seems odd. There's one who scatters. Now, picture this. If you're out there, let's say you're a farmer, and you've, you've got the ground prepared, and you're out there sowing seed, okay? And you're just scattering, all right? You could do that with grass seed or something like that. You're just scattering. You're putting it out there. You're just, you're just pouring it out generously. Now, think about what this scripture says. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. I want you to think about that. He's given it away generously, yet he increases more. Now look what it says. And there is one who withholds more than is right. There's a stingy person, and it leads to poverty. Doesn't that not make sense? Well, wouldn't you increase more if you held it and kept it and sat on it and didn't let anybody touch it? You think you'd protect it, right? But see, isn't the Bible saying just the opposite? Give it away and it leads to more, but if you hold more than is right, it it leads to poverty. And that is not the way the world thinks. It's absolutely polar opposite. Let's look at the rest of the uh, verse 25. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The generous soul will be made rich. The one who's giving it away, the one who is letting go generously, is the one who's going to increase. And that is, again, not what they're going to teach you if you went to a financial school. They're not going to teach you that. That is the absolute opposite of what they're going to teach. Now, let's look at the New Living translation of the same verse. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, New Living. Look what it says. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. (laughs) Give it away and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Again, it's crossways with the world. That's not the way the world thinks. The generous will prosper those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, I want you to think about it for a moment. Give freely and become more wealthy. That means let it go, give more, and you increase. But if you're tight, if you're stingy, you decrease. That does not make logical sense, does it? Anybody get what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense. You mean to tell me if I let go of what I have and generosity, I'll be increased? Absolutely. That's what the Word says. Do we believe the Bible? Do we believe what the Word says? Now, is our motivation a factor? Absolutely. What's our motivation need to be? Love. God's love. I'm not doing it to be seen. I'm not doing it to show off. I'm not doing it to earn a badge or a pat on the back. In fact, I don't even need you to know about it. I don't need anybody to know about it. But the principle is what? The principle is giving generously. Everybody say it with me. Giving generously generously that's the thing we need to get in our head and our hearts giving generously it seems as though well wait a minute pastor i only have so much and if i give it away i don't have it anymore (laughs) and doesn't that make sense yet that's what the bible says if we'll honor god in his word and we'll do it out of a heart of love as we're led by the spirit of god and do that generously we will increase now Let's go a little bit further here to help us out. First of all, God's Word tells us to give, to sow, to bless, to be generous in our giving, and it will come back to us. Yet a stingy person holds on tightly and will not let go unless they see an immediate benefit to themselves. And that leads to poverty. 
All right, so we got that clear. Now, so we see here being generous will cause increase in our life, but being stingy will cause decrease, which again doesn't make sense in our mental thinking. It doesn't make sense to let go. Shouldn't I be saving everything and then add a little bit more and maybe put it somewhere where it gains interest? And the Bible's saying if you withhold more than is right, if you're not obeying God, if you're not generous, that's, that's leading the other direction. You're going to go broke. Now, part of this is because of this, the law of sowing and reaping. Another part of it is because God is looking for people to use to be able to accomplish His works on the earth. He will increase and add to us if we're available. Now, there are a lot of people with this attitude. When God brings the big ship in, when my big ship, when my ship comes in, when, and what they mean is when I win the lottery, when I get that job that pays me X amount of dollars, then I'll give big. Listen to me. If you can't tithe a dime off a dollar, you are not going to tithe a hundred thousand off a million. Right? Why? You can't be trusted. See, God, does, remember, it's not about the amount. It's about our attitude with what we have. And if we're cheap and stingy and never think about what the Lord wants and allowing Him to use us in our normal life, just our normal everyday life, even when it seems like I have a small amount, I'm not going to do it with a bigger amount. God already knows that. That's the stewardship principle. If I'm not a steward with the little I have now, then I'm not going to be a good steward with what I have when it comes to big stuff. You make excuses now not to give, you'll make excuses then. You could win the lottery and win a hundred million dollars and you'll make excuses why you shouldn't sow it, why you shouldn't give it. You'll say, oh, I can't tie that much to that church. It, that too mu- that's too much money. It'll, it'll burden the church. It'll destroy the church. You see what I'm saying? How many of you know I would not get destroyed if somebody sowed a million dollars into this church? I tell you, we're going to work, guys. <laughs> I mean, we got a lot to do. I mean, we would get into action. It wouldn't destroy anything. I would begin to go ahead and let's get to it, you know. That just gives me more power to do it, you know, right? I might have to hire a couple of you. Say, man, help me spend this money, you know. <laughs> Praise God. Now, let's look a little closer here. I just talked about sowing and reaping. Now, I want you to think with me on this for a moment. The principle of sowing and reaping is so simple, I believe we, we miss the enormity of it. We, we miss the immensity of it. It is so powerful. And, and you really have to meditate on it and ask God to open your eyes. But the principle of sowing and reaping is in your hands. And you can sow little and reap little and you can sow big and reap big that's a b c isn't it let's all do a b c (laughs) now isn't that simple isn't it it's almost too simple you think wait a minute now god gave me the power in my hands to basically control the outcome of my life he did he gave you the power now you reap what you sow the principle operates 
in every area of life. It is a spiritual law, and it works in your relationships, it works in your finances, it works in your health, it works in every aspect of your life. You've been working this law all your life. In everything you've ever done, you just didn't know it. But here we have this power, this ability. Let me ask a question. How many of you like reaping small? Anybody? Any, no takers on that. Now, how many of you like reaping big? Then why don't you do big every time? And then bigger becomes what? Bigger. And bigger becomes what? Bigger. And bigger becomes what? Bigger. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. You cannot outgive God. He put this principle into motion, and it is so simple it escapes us. It is so simple that it's in my control. How many of you guys would like more money in your life? Now, I'm not saying it has to be this church. I'm saying this, that if you sow more generously, what's going to happen? You're going to reap more generously. It's in your hands. Sometimes we're waiting on the Lord to do something. And he's like, I'm waiting on you. See, God is willing to perform his word, Jeremiah tells us. He's willing to perform it. He's ready to go. He said it his word. He gave his promise. But we're looking at it. Oh, come on. You know, this will do this time. Or we get into a rut and always do the same thing. <laughs> and we wonder why we aren't increasing. Well, let me see here. If I do the same thing over and over and expect different results, what is that? That's the definition of insanity. In other words, you're crazy. Because nothing's going to change unless you make a change. You have to do something. You have to make a change if you want to see a change. Now, let's look at the Scripture. This is the New Living version of 2 Corinthians 9.6. So simple. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. <laughs> that is so simple. Why would we ever not sow generously? It's to my benefit, right? Now, our motivation of why we want to increase, why we want to see things better than they are, all have their part to play, okay? If your motivation is only to increase for selfish reasons, you're internalizing, I'm not sharing with anybody, I'm telling everybody else um, that my heart is to serve the Lord, my heart is to grow the ministry, my heart is to reach people, my heart is to give. Well, you blah, 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 blah. God knows your heart, okay? Your motivation. And so the, the question is, what's your motivation? Why are you doing it? Now, I don't give to receive. I don't. I don't have that mentality. But I also know what the Word says. And the Word told me that if I would sow little, I would reap little. But if I would sow generously, I'll reap generously. So, duh. <laughs> what sounds good? Remember where the Word of God says, I set before you life and death? Hint. Choose life. I mean, why be a tightwad when I know the Word of God says being a tightwad 
will bring me to a place of poverty. So why be a tightwad? That's dumb. How many of you guys know that if you go up to the stove and the gas is on and you touch it and it burns you, you learned a lesson, right? But how many of you know, huh, I wonder if that'll work twice. You don't do that, do you? You know, don't touch the flame. <laughs> it hurts. It will burn. It will do things. Well, we ought to just use some common sense with the word. Common sense says that if I sow generously with a heart of love, with a cheer, being a cheerful giver, a heart of love, what's going to happen in my life? I'm going to reap generously. It's that simple. Let me, I'm, I'm telling you guys, the power of your prosperity is in your hands, not his. People say, well, what about God's will for my life? Yeah, his will is revealed in his word. It's there, staring at us. And God's saying, the power's in your hand. It's in your David Ingalls has a song. It's in your hand. You hold a miracle. And he's talking about seeds. It's in your hand. What are you going to do with it? He'll make it what you need it to be. He'll grow. Remember that time I told you that I was walking? I was broke, broke, broke. And I'm walking along praying about my finances. Lord, what do I do? How do I fix this situation? And I'm walking along, and I stopped because the Lord pointed out this dime to me. I said, dime? What's a dime? I mean, I, I need like a million of them right now. I mean, what's one dime? I mean, so I bent over and I picked it up. And as I picked it up, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, if you'll sow that dime, I can make it what you need it to be. In other words, I can add to it and add to it and add to it and add to it until you're where you need to be. And I got that revelation of that. So I went and sowed it. It's all I had. And I put it in there, believing God that God would increase me more so that I could sow more. And more came in. So I sowed more. And then more came in, and so I sowed greater, and the more came in. So, and all of a sudden, I remember about a year later, walking by the same area, and the Lord reminded me. See, this time, I'm rejoicing and praising God that got more than enough. And it was money wasn't a problem. There was more than enough. And I'm walking along, and the Lord reminded me of where I was in that dime about a year earlier. And said, now see where you're at, son, when you act on my word. In other words, when you do it. But see, you have to do it. You have to look at your own heart and say, am I doing the same thing over and over and over? Again, say this with me. You want to change? Make a change. Amen? Make a change. All right. Being generous will increase your witness. Believe it or not, being generous will cause you to have more influence in the kingdom of God and reach more people. Living a generous lifestyle will help us become a powerful witness to the power of God in our life. Let's look at some scriptures real quick. Deuteronomy 15.10 says, Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Isn't that good? The Lord God will bless you in everything you do. Why? Because you're giving generously. Your heart's right. Now, notice what it said. Not grudgingly. You're not doing it because you have to, you want to, you're forced or whatever. My heart's right. I'm enjoying giving. I love to be a blessing. I love to help the poor. Then the Bible says that the Lord will bless us in everything we do. Psalm 112 verse 5. Look at this one. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Now look at just how we live. 
We're generous at heart. In other words, we live a generous life. If you do lend money to someone, is it appropriate for you to get interest off of them? Some of you are looking at me like, I don't know, Pastor. No. No. Everybody's saying no. You should not do that. You should not do that. And I'm going to encourage you, try not to lend money. If you got the money and someone's asking you for something, I'm not talking about $10,000. I'm talking about, you know, when my kids come around, you know, occasionally they've hit me up, you know, hey, I'm in a rough spot, you know, can you, can you lend me a little bit? Or maybe I learn about it, a little, you know, in conversation. And I can see that, yeah, they're in a tough spot for a couple of weeks. I, I do my best not to lend them money. Just give it to them. Just give it to them. Why? Because the Bible says that the, the borrower is servant to the lender. It changes the relationship dynamic. Did you ever borrow money from someone and then didn't have the money to pay them back? What would you do every time? You avoided them like the plague. You, did, you felt bad. You, felt, you, you guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? you, you it's, it'll mess up the relationship. I remember one time, years ago, I, was, uh, uh, I wasn't full-time in the ministry, but I was there a lot and all. And, and I was around enough that my pastor wanted to be a blessing to me. And he told me, I want to give you X amount. It was something I did special. And he said, I want to be a blessing to you. And at the time, he didn't know it. Oh, man, I would have taken it gladly because I was having a rough go of it. And he didn't have any clue because I never talked about it. I walked by faith, not by sight. I didn't tell anybody my problems or challenges. I went to the Lord and did what was necessary. But he didn't know it. And so my eyes lit up. I, and I don't know what it would have been. I mean, this was 20-something, 25 years ago. And, you know, back then, 100 bucks would have been a lot of money. And, and I, for some reason, had it in my thinking, maybe it's because what he's done before. And I thought, he's going to give me 100 bucks. Boy, I could use that. I told Lisa, I think he's going to go ahead, because he told me it was going to be a blessing for such and such. And, he, you know, but service after service went by. <laughs> Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we had a Thursday night, we had a Saturday work day. We went to church a lot back then. And uh, every time I'd see him, guess what was the only thing on my mind? Because I needed the money. I need the money, I need the money, I need the money. And I loved my pastor, but this money thing was interfering with my ability to receive from him when he was ministering. Well, after a couple of weeks and several services, and it's just eating my lunch, Finally, I'm like, that's enough! Devil, you are not stealing from me. I said, these are good words. I want to be a part of what's going on. So I, I went up to him after service and I said, Pastor, I just want you to know, keep the money. All right? In other words, I don't want the money. I, I just want to give it. And so he said, he said, when he was explaining to me at first, you know, they have just been short. And so he wasn't, he didn't forget about me. He just didn't have it to give. And he was waiting for that right opportunity to, to give it to me. But he didn't know the circumstances I was in. And so it was eating my lunch. I'm like, just keep it. <laughs> I don't want it, you know, because it's interfering with my ability to, to, to operate. You know, every time I think about it, that money is money, money. I need the money. I need the money. And so I let it go. Oh my gosh, I was so set free after that. And here I am, no better than I was financially, 
but yet I was set free. I knew God would meet my needs. I wasn't starving. I just had a lot of things going on at the time, and, and he did meet my needs. In fact, supernatural blessing came my way after I did that, and it opened the door for God to be able to do some things in my life. But my point is, is that we have to look at things like somebody making a promise or lending money or how we conduct things sometimes it just it gets messy and it's not worth it it's not worth it like for example co-signing on a loan i want everybody to say this with me never co-sign on a loan all right i want to say it one more time ready never co-sign on a loan now any of you have ever done that and it burned you you learned a heavy lesson Okay, and it will burn you because if they can't get the loan on their own, they're already mishandling their finances. But see, we don't think about that because after all, they're my son, they're my daughter, they're my nephew, they're my friend, they're this or that. If you ask me to coastline, I'm going to tell you, no way, Jose. Even my own children, I turned down. They wouldn't even ask me. By the last one, he didn't even bother asking. <laughs> he knew my first one asked, no, sir, I'm not doing it. No, no, you're going to have to believe God on your own and get it. And guess what? Every one of them, because I put the pressure on, did great and did fine with it. But the fact is, is that I wouldn't do it. Why? Because now I'm connected to it. And if you don't pay your payment, now, how do I know some of this? Some of it is just knowing God's word. Some of it is I've seen it firsthand. The fact is, listen, it isn't worth it. You know, you do what you can do. God never asked you to meet someone else's. Let me put it this way. You're never anybody else's source. The only time that's a case where you're meeting needs is what? When you have small children at home. But when they're grown up and they're going out, and I don't mean 25 years old, still leeching off someone. I mean, they should be moved out or at least have a level of responsibility when they get out of high school. I stopped telling my son and my daughters what to do all the time when they got out of high school. But if they were still living at home, I promised they were doing their own thing. I'm not paying their bills. I'm not paying their phone. I'm not paying anything. I, I know. And if you want to eat with mom and dad, you're going to shut down and eat what we have when we have it. Otherwise, do your own thing. Guess what? Guess what? All three of my kids are responsible people with their finances. I'm telling you guys, you do what the Word says to do, and I may not love every single thing my kids do, but there are some things that I can see the quality of God in them and those kind of things. Amen? God's good to us. All right, Proverbs 22.9. Proverbs 22.9 says, Blessed are those who are generous. Amen. Say, I'm generous. Amen. Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Now, again, they're not doing it to be seen. They're doing it because, you know, Jesus said this. He said, you'll always have the poor with you. We're never going to get to a point where we don't have poor people. And the poor people nowadays, they call themselves poor. Well, that's because they're putting their money in the wrong spot in a lot of cases. I mean, there are people that are poor and there are people that are poor there's a difference there in other words i'm talking about one not able to eat at all the other one complaining well i need cable too i gotta i gotta have this so i can play my game machines you know my you know uh whatever you call them i can't even name them all my kids are out of the house i don't know what any of them are called now but what i'm trying to say is how many of you know if you don't have cable 
that doesn't necessarily make you poor. I mean, is cable a necessity? No, none of those things. Even the internet, not a necessity. I mean, and so depends on how you look at it. I mean, but there are poor people, literally, can't afford to feed their kids, for example. And I really try my best in what we do as a church and and is try to narrow that down some. The, what's the place we support downtown? Yeah, Gospel Rescue Mission. They will help people out financially, but they started a program where you can't just go in there and say, hey, pay my electric bill. If you wanted to do that, what was it? You had to pay a $25 fee and go to classes on handling money at the end of the week, then they'd give it to you. I thought, praise God. I mean, quit handing it out. Left and right. Besides that, you know how you want to solve someone's problem when it comes to money? Come to church and hear the word. I mean, find out how to grow. How many know what I'm talking about? That you've been around these things a long time and you realize you know you will prosper if you act on the word of God over time. See, what we're doing is handing them a fish every time instead of teaching them how to fish. And see, you you can live that way. You can live hand to mouth for the rest of your entire life or learn how to prosper. Boy, prosper is better. Amen? I'm telling you what. All right, let's look at another scripture. Psalm 112, verse 9. Psalm 112, verse 9. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Notice, God is saying here, did you know that... (laughs) And people think money, it's all carnal. But it gets into the spirit spirit of things more than you realize because how many of you know when you tithe that is a spiritual connection between you and the lord right he is our high priest and he receives the tithe yet the tithe which is in a little bucket okay that we have here that's carnal money fleshly money that you can't spend in heaven yet do you see the spiritual connection between why why is it that way it's all a matter of your heart. It's your heart that the Lord wants. And guess what he said? Remember we talked about this several times. Where do I find what someone treasures? How do I find out what's in their heart? I find out what they treasure, what they value. In other words, your heart's connected to your wallet. <laughs> if it isn't, go ahead and hand out your wallets, please. I'll take up the offering today. And you see, no one's going to volunteer, Right? No one's going to say, just give me your checkbook. I'll take care of the numbers. Don't worry about it. You know, why? If it means nothing, boy, it's, it's a part of you, isn't it? <laughs> and so when you give your tithe, when you give, that is the love of God. That is you sharing and connecting. It is a spiritual thing. And it, everything spiritual is eternal. You can't separate spiritual and eternal. Now notice what it says. Look here. Go ahead and bring that back up. Psalm 112, verse 9. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Now look what it says. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. forever. Everybody say forever. What, does God mean what He said? Forever means what? Forever. That means there's a spiritual connection. There's an eternal connection to what we do here on earth, even when it comes to our giving. Now notice what it says here too. They will have influence and honor influence and honor if you listen to me carefully if you put what is important to god first in your life god will place 
what is important in your life with a priority with him. In other words, it's a two-way street. If you honor God, God will honor you. But it also says you'll have influence. In other words, you're going to be a greater witness. Let me ask you this. Okay, and this is directly out of the Bible. Does anyone take advice from a poor man? Would you go to a, a poor man? Would you give me some advice on how to do some investing? <laughs> no, right? You say, well, that sounds ridiculous. Well, yet, you know, that's what the Bible says. No one's listening to a poor man. But a rich man, what is everybody doing? A rich man, somebody who's got power and influence in that, we're all listening, right? I mean, even, I'm not stupid. I don't agree with everything Bill Gates might believe in, but obviously he's done some things right. So I'll listen to some of the things he says. As long as it doesn't violate God's word, that's a good point. Guess what, guys? Every good thing that you can find out in the world, every good piece of wisdom, where did it come from? It came from God ultimately in the Word of God. It's all there. They just didn't know it was from the Bible. (laughs) But it's there. Because no one in this earth ever came up with a good thing on their own. Ever. Ever. It all, every time I find a principle in the world that somebody might say is a good leadership principle or a good prosperity principle, something like that, there's a root in the Word somewhere. They just didn't know it. Like they'll tell you, be generous. Why be generous? Well, the Word of God gives us the secret and why generosity works, but they think it's because of what they're doing. And it's not. It's because they're acting on the Word. Did you know that if you can act on the Word and not even believe it, and it will still work, if you act on the principles of the Word of God, whether you're a believer or not, they'll still work. How many of you know the law of sowing and reaping is in operation whether you believe it or not, Right? Just like the law of lift and thrust. How many know gravity works whether you're a believer in gravity or not? Right? You can't say, I just don't believe it. (laughs) Well, if you walk off top of this building, you're going to land fast. Whether you believe it or not. And so it's still working. All right. In closing, God will use a generous believer to accomplish his plans on the earth. And that's why we want to walk in that generosity. We want to truly be blessed to be a blessing. Let's look at one last scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to look at the New Living Translation. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good that they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they will, may experience true life. In other words, we're not storing everything up on this earth where moth and rust destroy. Amen? We're making even a spiritual impact, an eternal impact in what we do in giving. Why? Because in the ministry, people are set free. They're saved. They're told Jesus loves them. These are all things that happen in the ministry of the Word of God, but it can't happen without giving. It can't. We can't do what we do and edit and put things out on the web if we don't have the resources to do it, you know? 
And the, you think about the TV and the radio and all, the internet, all the different ways you can hear the Word of God. Well, guess what? That ain't free. I mean, I tell you, you could go on TV and you'll find it real fast. Even the radio, I mean, uh, it can add up really, really quick. Amen? But that's where we're headed because we're generous. Amen?